couldn't sleep at all that night. Welcome all you sunrisers and moonrisers to Sleepless in Studio City, a safe place for discussing what's keeping your mind, body, and spirit from sweet, sound slumber. Your host, Dr. Debs, a celebrated columnist, lauded love, romance, relationship, and dating coach, offers simple, soothing solutions and heartfelt help. Dr. Debs will discuss topics such as finding and keeping the love you deserve, dating, marriage, parenting, setting boundaries, breaking the cycle, breaking up, following your dreams. We respect your privacy and will not reveal names or contact info. If you'd like your questions answered during a show but are hesitant to call in, please feel free to write Dr. Debs at sleeplessinstudiocity at gmail.com and she will address your concerns on the next broadcast. You can also find updates and weekly affirmations on Facebook slash Sleepless in Studio City. And now, without further ado... Here's Dr. Debs. Thank you, Zach, for that energizing introduction. Always a pleasure and honor to be here with all you night owls for another exciting episode of Sleepless in Studio City. Stay tuned for our magical musical interlude. I'll be presenting with the utmost respect, the internationally acclaimed vocalist, composer, and educator, Jay Clayton. You won't want to miss this heartfelt, revealing interview. So stay tuned. (laughs) I was thinking about (laughs) just when I was running out of steam, ready to toss in the towel, feeling hopeless, purposeless, empty, and depleted, out of nowhere, I was given a shot. (laughs) Not a COVID shot, but one of inspiration, morale-boosting motivation, all in the form of words. Something so simple as kind, uplifting, encouraging words can heal not only the planet, But sickness, disease, especially those stress-related disorders, including cancer, autoimmune deficiency, etc., etc. Forget doctors, forget shots, forget vaccines. We can heal the planet one word at a time. This is full proof. Show me evidence to the contrary and I'll eat my words. Here's the deal. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Speak this second. Say it soon. Say it softly. Say it slowly. Say it succinctly. Say it surely. It doesn't cost a dime and doesn't take much time. It can be done anywhere, anyhow. You don't have to study You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to be a circuit speaker. You don't have to be a scholar. It doesn't even take practice or perfection. All you have to do is speak from your heart. Let it flow through you. 
Shout from the mountaintops. Tell everyone you see. Tell everyone you know. Tell everyone you meet. Something kind. Guess what? You will feel a thousand times better. Every word you give to another will come back to you threefold. It's like the magic penny. The more you spend it and lend it, the more you receive in return. If you want to be rich, if you want to be healthy, then give, give, give your language away. It's the most valuable asset you possess. Speak now in kindness or forever hold your peace. Yes, peace is what you will be bringing to the planet when you speak thoughtful, considerate words to another. Imagine all the people living a life in peace. Ah, ah, ah. You can be the imagination by using your words to build up and nurture. In doing so, you'll be raising your level of consciousness and in turn, the rest of the universe will Follow suit. You'll be saving the Milky Way (laughs) in a most important way. More than recycling plastic bags, driving an electric car, or refusing to eat animals. (laughs) What does that mean, you say? What's the big deal about words? They're a dime a dozen. I don't want to have to pause and think before I speak. How can words be so powerful that they'll heal the solar system or what ails us or society in general or save civilization? This is what I have to say to you. Why not try it? You have nothing to lose. I'll give you a money-back guarantee. I promise you won't be disappointed. I can tell you my experience that tonight a dear friend helped me rise from doom and gloom to feel like a million bucks, like I won the lottery. And all he did was give me words of appreciation, admiration, adoration. Isn't that all we want All we need, all we crave and covet, all you need is love. And to be recognized, to be told that we matter, to know we've made a difference in the life of at least one other human being. It's not the quantity, it's the quality. Why are we here anyway? What's our purpose? Our existential raison d'etre? doesn't matter what kind of car you drive, what size house you live in, how much money's in your bank account. What matters in the end is how we made people feel that we were significant. My mom waited till her deathbed to tell me she loved me for the very first time. You don't have to withhold and cause others to suffer. You don't deserve to suffer. Start with those closest to you right now. Then continue with acquaintances. Then move on to those who irk you or whom you consider undeserving. (laughs) There's something inside of everyone, even the most miserable, despicable man or woman that's commendable, praiseworthy, laudable, estimable, creditable, honorable. Dig deep. Dig deeper. (laughs) And when you discover that worthy, respectable place in another, 
you'll discover the same in yourself. You'll rise in leaps and bounds, grow taller by the yard, be all the more meritorious, good, sterling, masterly, exemplary. This is the key to living your finest, best life. It's not how much you receive from the universe, it's how much you give. <laughs> be the giving tree, like in Shel Silverstein's gorgeous masterpiece. Become the tree that gives and gives until it's only a stump, and then give more. You will never lack or want of anything if you remain the giver at all costs. Should you choose to accept this mission possible, please write to me or call in and let me know how your life has been transformed into a magnum opus, how your black and white scenario has turned into full living technicolor scripts. <laughs> Start praising and applauding everyone and everything right now. Refrain from chastising or spewing negative lingo ever again. It's poison. If you drink the poison expecting the other person to die, you will remain the toxic venom. You will become what you dish out. The malice, ill will, malevolence, bitterness, spitefulness, acrimony, rancor. You can decide to end pollution, corruption, cancer, hate by checking your words at the door. It's an inside job, begins and ends with you. <laughs> Let's use this season as a starting point to reaffirm, to revive, regenerate, revitalize, reinvigorate, re-energize, restore, resuscitate, rekindle, replenish, restock, resupply, replace, rebuild, rebirth, renew, renovate, redevelop, reconstruct, remodel your world. Breathe new life and watch your life expand, multiply, mushroom, swell, balloon, snowball, skyrocket sprout, spring up, shoot up, germinate, propagate, cultivate, extend, develop, progress, flourish, thrive, burgeon, prosper, boom, arise, emerge, and evolve. <laughs> Those are gems of words. Those are cherished treasures. Words are the most valuable asset you will ever, ever, ever own. And they don't cost a dime. That's what it means by the world is your oyster. All the pearls, all the diamonds you've ever wanted are inside of you and can come forth as words. <laughs> you don't need the green stuff. <laughs> It's spring. Time to spring into glory, spring into goodness, spring into reverence, spring into exaltation, spring into magnificence, spring into splendor, spring into spectacle, spring into elegance and opulence. There's only one you. There'll never be another you. You're a phenomenon, an extraordinary wonder, one singular sensation. Every little step you take, do-do-do-do. <laughs> You're a miracle, a rarity, 
Unparalleled humdinger, a stunner, a doozy, a rip snorter. Give yourself the gift of yourself. In all your bona fide beauty, delicious delight, marvel, majesty, greatness, grandeur, nobility, you are perfect just the way you are. There'll never be another you. You don't have to go changing to try to please anyone else. <laughs> I love you just the way you are. Tell yourself that every day, every minute, every second. Congratulations, bravo, bravo, hip, hip, hooray. You have just come home at last, back to the place where you began in your search, taking that first breath of life once again. As T.S. Eliot said, we must not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we began and to know the place for the first time. That's where I am, folks. I am so moved <laughs> by being able to be back where I began before my search. <laughs> I didn't have to go anywhere. And it's taken COVID to remind me of that because I couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> and at first I was so bummed. What do you mean I can't go anywhere? And then I've gotten the great gift of all from COVID, the blessing, the bountiful blessing. <laughs> Who could ask for anything more? <laughs> I don't have to go searching outside anymore. It's all right here. <laughs> right here and right now. I've got everything I need for my highest good and the highest good of all those I care about. <laughs> Whew. That's the whole bowl of wax. Now it's time for our caller. Hello there. Welcome to Sleepless in Studio City. I'm Dr. Debs, and who am I speaking with? Uh, my name is Alan. Hi, Alan, and where are you calling from? I'm calling from a city called Whittier, which is uh, 20 miles east of downtown L.A. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Alan. What's on your mind tonight? What's keeping you from sweet, soft slumber? Well, I'm a, I'm a 71-year-old man. I've retired, and, um, you know, I've been married a couple times, no children. And what I, what's on my mind is it seems like it's so hard to meet women these days. Most of the women that I meet seems like they really don't want to. They have excuses too far, you know, you're this or that. So I'm not getting any younger and I have a lot of energy now, but I really want to meet somebody. So what can you offer me as a, as a suggestion? <laughs> well, I love your question, Alan, and thank you for your honesty. You're not alone. This is a really common dilemma. What I always say to people is when one finger is pointed outward, three are pointed back at you. I don't know if you've heard that expression before. Because you were pointing the finger at other people and saying, oh, they, 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 they're not ready, they have excuses, I would like to look at the three that are back at you. 
Is there something going on with you or with your picker that is keeping you from the intimacy that you're looking for? Because it's an inside job. It's not about them. It's about you. Something's going on with you. I'm wondering if you have any awareness as to what that might be. Mm, I see. Well, that could very well be. I've been uh, I've been single a long time now, and uh, maybe I'm trying too hard. That could be. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's just let nature take its course. Another light bulb that went on for me when you were talking is what are you doing to enhance your life so that you feel better yourself without a partner? Even though, of course, that's the goal and that would be great. If that doesn't happen, where is your focus so that you can feel good about yourself with or without someone in your life? Well, that uh, I'll need to give that some thought. Uh, of course, with COVID, it's been it's been tough uh, getting out, doing things. Uh, but uh, I, I I certainly could uh, do do my you know I have certain passions. I like to I like the beach. I like uh, I like being outdoors and make bike nature. So I can certainly uh, do the things that make me feel good. Have you been doing that lately? Um, no. To be honest, I haven't. I'm uh, I've. I've sort of been homebody because of the virus. Now um, I think things are uh, improving. I don't feel that I need to stay at home, so uh, there's no reason for me to get it, not to get out and do things now. Sounds good. What are some of those passions other than being outdoors in nature? Um, well, I like to dance. I like to move. Fortunately, I still have, you know, my health. Um, and... Uh, I am retired, so nothing is keeping me from anything. So um, my intent is to travel, get out and, and see some things, some areas of the world that I haven't seen. So uh, it would be nice to find somebody who would share those passions with me. But, you know, there's plenty of singles groups, uh, or I can even go alone. There's nothing wrong with that either. I was just going to say that, especially regarding traveling. There are so many singles group that travel and go on vacations. And wouldn't that be great if you were doing something you loved and at the same time possibly hooking up with someone, a like-minded spirit. In that way, it's a double win. You're enjoying right. yourself. Maybe that will help some of the desperation so that it's not just focused on someone else. Does that make sense? It sure does. I'll tell you, if you have another second. Um, oh, we have noticed... time. We have time. Take it away, Alan. <laughs> okay. One of the things that I've noticed, and I don't know that I'm alone thinking this, is that um, I'm a person that takes care of himself. I mean, I'm not a centerfold. I'm not a GQ guy, but, you know, I take pride in the way I look and whatnot. But it seems so many people, male and female, my age or, or, or even a little bit less, they have just let themselves go. You know, they put on quite a bit of weight. They're, I call them, frumpy. And for me, that's a turnoff. <laughs> so uh, the, the numbers of people who I'm interested in are, are greatly reduced because of that. Again, you're talking about the outsides. Yes. A lot of us 
do that. Focus on the visual, which is understandable. I'm guilty of that myself. But there is another side to that, and maybe that's something that you can work on. You use the word frumpy, and it's a judgment. Have you always been judgmental that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I need to not be so critical of what I need to do. It's not need to do, but it's just something to look at. Yes, you are limiting yourself when you have criteria. This Zen master said something that I love. He said, if you're alone, it's because your criteria is too high. Mm-hmm. I see. And I believe that. I believe that. And that's just an example of it. Like I said, I totally hear you, Alan, and I understand it. And yet that's something I would like to work on myself as well. And not have such a high list and not have this criteria starting with the physical. Well, it's nice to know I'm not alone. Yep. I actually did that the other day, and I went online, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to look at the picture, and I'm going to go, okay, uh-huh. no, 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 you know, X, 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 I'm not attracted, I'm not attracted, and I thought, <laughs> oh, what am I doing? I thought, what am I doing? Yeah, there's, I, more, there's more to life than looks. I'm, you know, I'm, someone also talked about spiritual dating, how to just go somewhere, like let's say a coffee shop and start looking at people and look at them in a different way. Not Mm -hmm, how mm -hmm. thin they are, how pretty they are, how well-dressed they are, what kind of car they have, how much money they have. Look at them and think to yourself, would that person be honest? Would they be generous? Would they be gentle? Would they have integrity? Are they someone that I can trust? Are they going to be there for me? I mean, things that are more valuable as we get older than the physical and the superficial. Well, that makes sense, for sure. You've, uh, you've answered a lot of my questions and concerns, and I'll take them to heart and uh, see what happens. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye now. Okay, Bye-bye. thanks so much. Bye-bye. The moment you've been waiting for, our magical musical interlude featuring the sensational, stunning, skilled singer, Jay Clayton. Welcome to the show, Jay. It's a pleasure and honor to have you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I wanted to start out by hearing a little bit about your history, or her story as I call it, and how you came to have a passion for music. Yeah, I do have a passion, but I'll tell you, I like asking people this, too. Uh, it's an interesting question, you know. But for me, it was, uh, well, I was brought up listening. You know, I did listen to Frank Sinatra. I'm a second-generation Italian, you know. So I, I uh, knew a lot of the standards. And my mother used to sing them around the house. But they, for her, they were pop music, you know, of the 30s and 40s. She didn't know about jazz. But I have to say that the uh, my cousin, I had a cousin who was older than me, one year and I can remember like it was yesterday. I, we used to go to his house, it was, you know, my mother's sister, and we went there a lot. And I remember leaving his house, and he handed me three records. It was Miles Davis, uh, Dave Brubeck, and Ram- Ramsey Lewis. Oh, the best. And I didn't know what it was. He just handed me these records, and he said he had discovered, you know, he had been, I don't remember. And he, and he has left us, and I've always wanted to ask him. How did you get into it so much like that? 
Anyway, I went home, I played those records, and I was it. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I was the feeling of it, and uh, I, I was mesmerized, and so I joined Columbia Record Club, which at that time, if you paid a penny, you could get a bunch of records, and then you took off a topic, and I, did, I ticked off jazz. So oh. Every month I would get a record. So Aww. that's the beginning of it, and it's like, that, and I've, I, yeah, I've been following it ever since. Oh, <laughs> what a precious story. I absolutely love it. Well, you mentioned some of your influences. Are there any other people or teachers in your life that influenced you along the way? Well, all I'm, you know, what I say, you know, what I realized in retrospect, because I've been doing a lot of interviews, people ask me about this, you know, but I realized, and I tell this to my students, there are no accidents, and one thing leads to another, and it and it's not. So what happened was coincidentally, and this was this was I can't remember how old I was, but I wasn't in college yet. But um, I uh, one of my best friends married a jazz bass player. I mean, what are the chances of that? We're talking about a junior high school friend, and she just happened to marry a. And he was very good. He never left Young... I'm from Youngstown, Ohio. He never left Youngstown. He was also a visual artist because he didn't have the personality to go to New York, and he was really good. But I used then, as soon as I... Like I say, I already knew some tunes. He, I would sit in with him. You know, he was playing at a restaurant or something, and I would sit in. And this is before I even went away to college, which at that time, we're talking about 1959 now, and... Everybody didn't go to college then, but I, I decided to go, and I guess that was my way. I knew there was something else in my... I really didn't know what I was going to do, but I had been. T I did take piano lessons as a child, and I always sang in the choir and everything. When, when I was, uh, our, I think in my senior year, junior year in high school, we saved money and we ca I came to New York for a few days. So that was another little hint. Do you know what I mean? It was like... Wow. And I loved New York. I mean, little girl from Ohio, a lot of people can't do that. They just can't. They, they try to live in the city and it's too much. But I was only there for a few days and something in there was right. So all I know is I did go to college. Uh, I went myself. I mean, honestly, nobody went. I, I, it's a miracle that I, I had the courage to go. And it was the furthest college in Ohio. I knew I had to go to a a school in Ohio because you could, my parents didn't have money and state schools were hardly anything. It, it was in Oxford, Ohio, Miami University, and it was very close to Cincinnati. And there, again, another coincidence, was a jazz musician on campus who had been in the service. Oh, you know what I'm saying? It's wow. like it wasn't just me. I mean, it's like, and I, and of course, once I got the bug, you know, I just took anything that said jazz. I. I found out about downbeat, and of course, in Youngstown, Ohio at that time, wasn't like there was a lot of jazz things around, you know. <laughs> but that's all I did. I just kept following, you know, not knowing I was going to be a jazz singer. I didn't, like, decide. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to, today, today people almost decide, you know, because obviously there was no jazz education there. I, I went into, I, was, I became a music major, but there was no jazz, you know. Right. But I get, but this, this, this trombonist, uh, my, I had a roommate, classical uh, singer, 
And she said, "What?" I would sing around the door. I would just sing a cappella. Love, 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 you know. Green Dolphin Street, Funny Valentine. And she told me, she said, I think you really like jazz. Why don't you sing for John Watson was his name. He'll tell you if you can sing. And that was it. I did. And, and, and he I became part of his band. Oh. You know. It's, wow. You see what I'm saying? So, so and that's where I, that was my biggest education because the guys in the band and, and plus, you know, I would sing two or three tunes, but I was always listening, you know, and, and they were really doing it every week. Oh, wow. but, and at night they play records, you know. I did, I really didn't, at the time, I didn't even know who Charles Mingus was. I didn't really discover Monk till like 1960 or whatever, you know, and Ornette Coleman, oh my God. So oh. anyway, that's my story. So when I graduated, I had the career, I just moved here because that's where, the, I knew that's where the jazz was. As I look back on it, I can't believe I had the courage to, I didn't know anybody. Oh. I knew that they were all playing here. Wow. Uh, you know, so, so you, it was 1963. Oof. Um, we're so lucky and honored that you did have the chutzpah to go there and that jazz found you. And Yeah. It, it really, it, so, you know, I mean, you can call it luck. Me too. I call it luck. Uh, but it's not really. It has to do, I mean, I don't know. I did relate to those standards, but I didn't know they were jazz standards. I did relate to them. But again, until he gave me those records, wow. And so you see, one thing leads to another. And I, I tell a lot of, you know, I work with a lot of singers. And, and we, and uh, you know what I have? Uh, uh, I think you'll appreciate this. I have it framed. It says, wisdom is, is knowing what to do next. Oh. That's it. You get it? It's like, that's it. Oh. Not, you know, don't make this huge plan and, you know, what. it's just what's the next thing. And, right. And, it, you know, might be having breakfast. I don't know. But I mean, oh my gosh, know, that's so breakfast. funny. I can't <laughs> believe you're saying that because I just got off the phone with a friend and she was like, what can I do right now? And I said, just do the next right thing that's in front of you. <laughs> that was my advice. Yeah. So it's similar to what you're saying. Wisdom is knowing what to do next. I love it. Yes, because that'll lead. And, and again, sometimes you don't know, you know, but you, you have to trust yourself, you know. And in the music, you got to go where it is. Oh, beautiful words of wisdom, which was going to be my next question. Do you have any advice for aspiring artists? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like with anything, if they, if it, sometimes you need a little guidance, but mostly you know, like with singers, it's like you have to listen to the music. So you have to go hear the music. That's that's a given. That's not even optional. And you work on your repertoire. You know. And going out to here, you know, I, I wrote a book. Um, I have this, maybe you don't know about it. It's called Sing Your Story, and it's a practical guide for learning and teaching the art of jazz singing. Oh. And in there I talk about that. It's like, you know, you've got to get your repertoire together. You go, you hang out, you sit in, you know, and you become part of the, the, the jazz world. There is a jazz world. Oh. How else did you find me, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're all part of the jazz world, which is wonderful. I think so. It's great. And, and, but again, if you're, and I, you know, if, I've even told singers, if, if you're in a little town and there's not enough, well, you've got 
you may have to move. If I could do it, anybody could do it. <laughs> because, you know, I'm, I said I'm from a second-generation Italian family, huge family. My whole, everything social was more, more, more to do with family, you know, picnics and birthdays and whatever. Nobody really left. Young stuff, not married. No, I mean that was the deal. I was going to meet somebody, get married, and stay in Youngstown. But this thing happened to me. <laughs> We're so lucky and honored that it did. And do you have any memorable moments? What are some of your most memorable moments? Well, there, of course, there are a lot of them. But uh, I mean, not a lot. But I mean, um, I read. Um, you know, I had the courage when I first came here. Before I came here, I also made another trip to New York with my fellow jazz artist in, from college on a vacation. And we went to hear Steve Lacey, who was playing all monk. It was with Roswell Rudd, and uh, it was uh, at a little place in the village. Now, these guys knew, but I never would have gone here. And it was so fantastic. I got it. In other words, they were playing all month, but they were very individual. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like yes. even though they were playing his music, and there was something about it that I got that's very unique to jazz. You have you you end up with your own voice because you just follow what you like, you know. And uh, anyway, when I came when I moved to New York, I had the nerve to call up Steve Lacey. So that was memorable. In other words, I didn't know him. He didn't know me. I never said anything to him, but I knew he would know the scene. And I didn't expect anything about from him except just tell me where the where can I go for a session, you know. So so that was, <laughs> and he gave me the time of day. I don't know if you ever met Steve Lacey. Oh no, uh, but what a sweetheart to do that. What is, I mean, and if you met him, if you ever met, he's not Mister Outgoing. I mean, some some uh, jazz people are you know oh yeah, that's, but he did. He gave me the time of day, and and I would call him every once in a while, and he finally introduced me to some young. Younger, I mean, he wasn't that much older, but they were more my peers. And his bass player uh, recommended me to sing with this trio. I mean, then that led to so many other things. You know what I mean? And um, I guess if I had to choose another one, was uh, which was important to me because, as you know, I do the standards. But I when I, in the '60s, that's when free jazz happened, and I was in the middle of all that. Even though I was a singer, I even moved into a loft, and I used to have sessions in my loft. I even used to give concerts in my loft on Miss Bernard Street, right down by Canal. Anyway, uh, that was a big deal, just to present music there. But um, I also, there were a lot of things, but I don't know if you know, Muha Richard Abrams, who's a, he died not that long ago, really. He was, he's like the master of the free jazz, Chicago Art Ensemble, they're all our and he called me and asked me to be to do a gig. Now this was a big deal. He didn't know me. He just he was calling me because he had come to hear me on one occasion. That was a big deal to me because I performed with him, and it was all the giants of the free jazz: George Lewis, J.D. Perrin, Chico Freeman. These are all like. And so that was when I say it didn't make me crazy famous. I'm not crazy famous, you know. I'm just, I have a good, I have a good reputation. I know, you know. That was so special because for Aww. him to hear me, for him to dig what I was doing, Aww. meant a lot. And it encourages you. Do you know oh. what I'm saying? You just keep, you just keep going on, even though, you know. Ooh, I got <laughs> chills from that. Ooh, 
I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, speaking of loving things in your experience, since this is a show about love, I was wondering what you think is the key to finding and keeping love in your life. I, I, I love the music, and, I, and of course, I came up with family. I ended up, you know, I, I got married. I have two kids. I guess the, the hardest thing about being in this probably find this too is, is is finding the balance between life and art you know I mean you you I, I'm very lucky that 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 I did find my passion it really found me <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so it it did influence my whole life but you know I moved to New York you know I was in New York for 20 years and then I I, I, I got a job offer to go to Seattle uh, to teach at a, uh, a Cornish College of the Arts, which, again, it's like there's a big life decision, right? Leave New York. You know, I, by that time, I was married. I had two little kids. and uh, But you know what? It was timely. Uh, I wasn't going to give up singing. I mean, they hired me because of my, as a jazz, you know, jazz teacher. But the thing is, wherever you go, you can find jazz. Just follow what you love. So, and the school was great. Gary Peacock and... Julian Priester and Jerry Grinelli. I mean, Art Landy, these are great jazz musicians there. But, it, you know, the scene obviously is not the same as New York. But I just started making things happen, you know. Right. So, in other words, I still made music. Well, speaking of music, what song did you pick for us to hear tonight? I think I sent you I Wish I Knew. And, and, uh, that's another, uh, uh, get two minutes, it's a short story about it. That, but I just picked that one. But I did a whole CD called Harry Who, which was a tribute to Harry Warren, who, who wrote so many songs, but nobody knows that much about him. And uh, when I was younger, even starting in college, I think, I started a lot of gigs with There'll Never Be Another You, beautiful, you know, and... When he died, this Harry Warren died in the 80s. I read it at the Herald Tribune. And it said he wrote, There'll Never Be Another You. And I didn't know he wrote it. I hadn't been paying attention. It turns out he wrote many songs. He wrote as much as Cole Porter, including tunes like September in the Rain and including At Last. Now, I swear everybody in the world knows that song, but they don't know he wrote it. Right. So I said, someday I'm going to do a tribute. So that what I sent you was a cut. Off of a CD, I did 10 songs, all Harry Warren, and with John Martino and Houston Preston on tenor sax. So that's what you're going to hear, I Wish I Knew. Oh, you. I love it. Well, is, before we say adieu, is there anything else you'd like to leave your fans, friends, and family with? Um, only to say hang in there. We're all in this, but it's, I'm starting, just starting to see the light. And there's plenty of you can do inside, and, and that includes a lot of listening to music. If you're a musician, it's hard to get motivated, but do something that you 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 used to complain you didn't have time about. <laughs> Talking to myself, and just have confidence if we just stay in the the the, the world. It's not going to be exactly the same. But there might be some things better. That's my final word. We just never know. And so you look in. You know what I mean? You look inside yourself and say, well, what? Some some good things may have come of this, you know. So. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, thank you so much, Jay. Without further ado, we're going to hear 
Jay Clayton performing I Wish I Knew by Harry Warren. Take it away, Jay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Is this the night I waited oh so long for? Is this my dream at last come true? Are you the one my heart has saved its song for? How can I tell? I wish I knew. I wish I knew someone like you could love me. I wish I knew you'd place no one above me. Did I mistake this for a real romance? I wish I knew, but only you can answer. If you don't care, why let me hope and pray so? Don't lead me on If I'm a fool, just say so Should I keep dreaming on Or just forget you What shall I do? I wish I knew I wish I knew Someone like you could love me I wish I knew you'd place no one above me. Did I mistake this for real romance? I wish I knew, but only you can answer if you don't care. Why let me hope and pray so? Don't lead me on If I'm a fool, just say so Should I keep dreaming on Or just forget you What shall I do? I wish I knew Thank you. 
Question from Maxwell in Lake Tahoe. <laughs> I just found out a good friend of mine passed recently from depression leading to a heart attack. I'm worried I could follow in her footsteps because I've been majorly depressed since COVID began and I also have heart issues. Any advice on how to prevent further damage? I'm not ready to leave the world. <laughs> Dear Maxwell, thank you so much for your candor, honesty, and heartfelt reaching out. I applaud your bravery and feel like you're already on your way to healing just by your courage to ask for help. That's a huge step in healing the body, mind, and spirit. All disease which can be explained as disease stems from more than just a physical cause. That's why someone can die from a broken heart, literally and figuratively. Unfortunately, in civilization today, depression and mental illness is still stigmatized and shame-based. Talking about emotional despair and devastation is taboo. As a matter of fact, it's considered a sign of weakness, a character defect, so most people are loath to express any fear, pain, sadness. It's a vicious cycle because these sort of sicknesses can only be healed when they're brought to the surface and not kept hidden. We're sick as our secrets. It's like when they speak about the hidden heart disease. That's what I'm referring to because depression is a disease of the heart spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. It is 
the hidden heart disease. I'm not even sure which comes first, the chicken or the egg, the physical ailment or mental, emotional duress and angst. Either way, it's adamant for our survival that we come out of hiding, that we come out vis-a-vis depression. I'm convinced that's the deeper esoteric existential meaning behind the COVID pandemic. We're being forced to come face to face with our inner selves, our inner demons, our inner glory. Inner is the key here. It's an inside job as I always purport the solution to whatever ails us. In other words, Maxwell, it would behoove you to continue on the path you've started by coming out to me and discover the source of your woe. Emerge out of denial. Move from the dark to the light. That's the optimum way to prevent body damage. Just like a medical doctor will prescribe meds to lower your cholesterol, prevent diabetes, heart attacks, strokes. <laughs> Dr. Debs is here to prescribe a way to cure your internal agony, torture, heartbreak, wretchedness. I know for sure, positively, this in turn will cure your outer aching, soreness, throbbing, stinging, shooting, stabbing, pains, cramps, discomfort, irritation, tenderness, wherever it may rear its ugly head. Talk about your depression, Maxwell, your suffering, your sadness, your sorrow, your unhappiness, grief, distress, desolation, via dolorosa. Talk to a safe confidant. That's the first step to relieve the torment, heartache, and misery. And you don't have to wait till it's made your heart disease. It can be just a little pang, a little discomfort. Lower. Don't raise your threshold for pain. Lower, lower, lower it. (laughs) And you'll be on your way. I'm rooting for you, Maxwell. Please feel free to write back and let us know how it goes or call into the show and we can discuss in further detail. Give yourself permission to be real. Take off your mask, your stoicism to rise to the occasion. You're up to the task, Maxwell. You've already got everything you need to conquer your ailments, your soul sickness, your disorders, your afflictions, maladies, infirmity, the virus that's consuming you from head to toe, inside and out. Whatever condition your condition is in (laughs) will be the very thing that can free you from the bondage you've been in. Kudos to you, my dear friend, Maxwell. (laughs) Well, that's all the time we have. Tune in nightly at 9 p.m. Pacific Time and Midnight Eastern Time to AmericanHeartsRadio.com for another enlightening episode of Sleepless in Studio City. Dr. Debs, deemed the new relationship guru, a West Coast Dr. Laura, and East Coast Carrie Bradshaw, provides comforting heartfelt help. She will lift your spirits, illuminate your mind, inspire creativity, promote positivity, and empower you to pursue your highest aspirations. You deserve to be the best version of yourself. If you'd like to be a guest caller, featured artist, or have your writing question answered on the show, feel free to contact Dr. Debs at sleeplessinstudiocity at gmail.com, and she'll schedule you for the next opening. For replay links, updates, and affirmations, please visit facebook.com slash sleeplessinstudiocity or twitter.com slash drdebs. Find full episodes on iTunes. You can also listen to five-minute excerpts on YouTube while watching a soothing, serene slideshow. 
Dr. Debs is available around the clock for telephone life coaching sessions, and the first consultation is free. Contact her at sleeplessinstudiocity at gmail.com to arrange an appointment at your convenience. Dr. Debs will impart weekly wows, words of wisdom, and leave you with esteem builders and confidence boosters to help you transform from the inside out. Repeat often. Say them in the morning, in the evening, while driving, standing in line, or on a lunch break. Speak with conviction, and you will begin to believe. Without further ado, here's Dr. Debs. Thank you, Maxie, for that endearing and enduring closing. You are a light in my life. You give me hope to carry on. You are the reason for the season, the gift that keeps on giving. I am the luckiest mom in the solar system, eternally grateful that you chose me for the most glorious, precious, treasured, incredible, unbeatable, miraculous, stunning, spectacular, sensational job of being your parent. All right, folks, here's some words of wisdom from Don Miguel Ruiz, taken from the Four Agreements Wisdom Book. <laughs> the second agreement is don't take anything personally. Nothing others do or say is because of you. What they do or say is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. <laughs> it's always about them, never about you. <laughs> especially when one finger is pointed at you. Three are back at them. <laughs> it's about them and their Michigas and their history or her story. <laughs> Whatever people do feel, think, or say, don't take it personally. Even if they tell you how wonderful you are, they're not saying that because of you. You know you're wonderful. <laughs> It's not necessary to believe other people who tell you that you're wonderful. Don't take anything personally. Even if someone got a gun and shot you in the head, it was nothing personal, even at that extreme. <laughs> Write this agreement on paper. Put it on your refrigerator to remind you all the time. Don't take anything personally. <laughs> As you make a habit of not taking anything personally, you won't need to place your trust in what others do or say. You'll only need to trust yourself to make responsible choices. You're never responsible for the actions of others. You're only responsible for you. When you truly understand this and refuse to take things personally, you can hardly be hurt by the careless comments or actions of others. If you keep this agreement, you can travel around the world with your heart completely open and no one can hurt you. You can say, I love you. Without fear of being ridiculed or rejected, you can ask for what you need. You can say yes or you can say no, whatever you choose without guilt or self-judgment. You can choose to follow your heart always. Then you can 
be in the middle of hell and still experience inner peace and happiness. You can stay in your state of bliss and hell will not affect you at all. <laughs> and that is my wish for you <laughs> and everyone from here to eternity. <laughs> I leave you with these affirmations. Say them in front of the mirror, looking deep into your eyes, where you will see your soul glowing, beaming, radiant, luminous. <laughs> I recognize my full potential. I am powerful and courageous. Astounding opportunities are presented in my life. I live, move, and have my beingness in a field of gratitude and appreciation. The gifts of divinity are mine, freely given and fully received. <laughs> I live in tune with the fundamental order of the universe. Excellence vibrates as every cell of my body temple. Woo! <laughs> I am a cosmic clearinghouse, dissolving fear and lack in this global society. <laughs> Infinite abundance shows up as permanent prosperity in my life. <laughs> Spontaneous goodness flows from my utter reliance on spirit. Mighty miracles demonstrate through my ever-evolving consciousness. I have joy to give, love to live, and peace to reveal. <laughs> I just can't stop <laughs> the feeling. I can't stop the feeling. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> Midnight, we're gonna let it on down. I see. After midnight, we're gonna let it on.